This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Sex worker, and yes, it does. Sex worker, wench, vomit her mind. Listen up close while I take it backwards. Oh, guy, begins to gather to me, which I want. I'm not a proxy. Sex worker, but I can give you what you want. Sex worker, damn it. It's a. Tuned in to the Vixen Hour. Sex workers setting the record straight on Australia's first gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Red Umbrella Radio. Right, folks, you have tuned into the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. The Vixen Hour is your weekly radio show that explores life issues and the world from a sex worker's perspective. This is your opportunity to challenge the stereotypes and prejudice that you may have about sex work and hear from the actual voices of sex workers ourselves. We are out loud and proud. This is the only community radio program in the world that is both publicly broadcasted directly to your radios and is available online all the time that is 100% produced and presented by sex workers. Turn it up. All discussions presented on Vixen Hour are made in the interest of community information and are not intended to induce any individual to seek employment in the sex industry. For more information in this area, we recommend individuals to get in contact with their local sex work organisation. The Vixen Hour. Everyone has an opinion about sex work. Make yours an informed one. Joy 94.9. If at any point you would like to interact with the program, you can do so by texting in on 0427-JOY949. That's 0427-569-949. Giving Robert at the front desk a call on 1300-JOY949. That's 1300-569-949. Or sending us an email right here in the studio at onair at joy.org.au. It would be absolutely fantastic to hear from you. Now... On tonight's show, we will be talking about two topics that aren't usually linked on the surface, but the more you sort of peer into it, the more you can see they actually are quite connected, and that is sex work and religion. And I am joined by an absolute cavalcade of <laughs> amazing sex workers here in the studio. I'm joined by Gala. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, Nada. Hi. And Estelle. Hey. Hey. How's it going? We're okay. You're okay. <laughs> We're excellent. <laughs> There's so many people in the studio that they're all so polite, they don't know who to j- jump in No, first. after you. No, <laughs> after you. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for joining us to, on tonight's Vixen Hour. So, Gala and Nada are new to the program. So, before we get off talking about religion, I thought it might be a really good opportunity, as we do every time we do have someone new in the studio, to actually get to know sex workers, which is kind of what we try to do here in the Vixen Hour, is humanise the voice behind who sex workers are. So, Gala, (laughs) how would you introduce yourself? Well, I would introduce myself as Gala because 
specifically with clients, for example, a client does not have the right to address me as mistress until I've given them that right. Mm -hmm. With other people, it can be a mark of respect if they want to use my title. I simply leave that up to you. <laughs> Fantastic. And and what about you, Nada? How would you introduce yourself? My name is Nada. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a sex worker? Of course. Mm -hmm. And have you been doing sex work for a long time? Yes, I've been doing it uh, maybe 20 years. Wow. I haven't counted in a while, so <laughs> I'm not quite sure of the numbers anymore. Uh -huh. And have you done lots of different types of sex work? Yes, I have, mainly in U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I've done anything from stripping to escorting to, I don't know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And what about you, Gala? What different types of sex work have you done? Well, I work primarily in domination, mm -hmm. so BDSM, bondage, discipline, sadism and masochism. Mm -hmm. But I've also worked as a performance artist, so performing on the stage, but performing on the stage within the S&M arts as well. Fantastic. Is, is that something that you've always done, is like BDSM work? Was there a sort of a progression towards BDSM? Well, I uh, trained formally uh, mm -hmm. when I was younger, but I have uh, also worked in other types of sex work, mm -hmm. and I identify very firmly as a sex worker, mm -hmm. and I do not uh, support or condone sex worker hierarchies. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, neither do we. That's why we have everyone on our show, or at least try to. And why we do try to have a diverse range of voices. So it's absolutely amazing that you're all um, here on the show tonight. But as we do um, whenever we do have new sex workers in the studio is we ask them, well, how do they define sex work? It's a, it's kind of recognising that one definition, it's, it's problematic to try to apply one definition to all sex workers. So rather than doing that and making those assumptions, we might ask, well, how would you define what sex work is for yourself? For myself, uh, sex work has always been an opportunity to explore my personal sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I, that's always been very important to me, but also to allow other people to, to explore and support them in exploring their sexuality. Mm -hmm. I think people in my profession often say that um, they are lifestyle um, and it's difficult to know what people mean by that. Mm -hmm. um, when I say, because I do say that I am a lifestyle mistress, I mean that BDSM for me is part of the complete picture of my life, that it is not solely my profession, but it is something that colours every aspect of my life, mm -hmm. that it is a complete part of what I do personally and professionally uh, and is a complete part of my day. That's fantastic. I was just curious, before you said that you formally trained to be a mistress, I'm just wondering for the listener who might not know what that training looks like, did you want to give them a quick description of what that involved? Well, I think a lot of sex workers learn a variety of ways, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want to discount any of that mm -hmm. peer education either. I have had the opportunity to learn um, from a mentor. I have also learned from every sex worker that I've ever worked with, and I think it's really important to give credit to that. I have also learned from clients, mm -hmm. and I have learned remarkable things from all of the people that I've come in contact with in the sex industry. Wonderful. And what about you, Nada? How would you define what sex work is for you? I would define it as lifestyle, as, as always. As also, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really is more than just a job to me. Mm -hmm. I don't separate. This is the kind of sex I have with my clients, and this is the kind of sex I have with, you know, people outside of mm -hmm. work. I take 
all my clients in mm -hmm. basically to my life as part of my life. Uh, just the negotiation terms mm -hmm. are very different. Yeah. But other than that, it is a lifestyle. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yay. And, and has that sort of been your current understanding of sex work for yourself? Has that, some, has that been something that you've sort of worked towards? Or? I have. In the beginning, you know, I had this idea that sex work was really service mm -hmm. that you give to somebody in terms of, you know, just a blowjob or handjob or it's mm -hmm. an act, yeah. you know. And slowly I began to see clients as a whole person that mm -hmm. needs to be cared for and yeah, appreciated and in that way as well. So That's wonderful. And I think, I think certainly a lot of people can relate to that. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. If at any point you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can do so by sending a text message on 0427 JOY 949. You can also stay connected to the Vixen Hour all throughout the week by uh, liking us on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash sexworkerradio. And if you... Uh, someone who is on Twitter, you can follow us at Vixen Hour. Uh, we've got to go to some messages. After that, we'll be talking about religion and sex work, and that will be the theme for the rest of the show. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. I'm Dr. Brooke Mignanti, formerly known as Belle du Jour, and you're listening to the Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9, and you're with Christian, and I'm joined by the fabulous Gala. Hello. <laughs> the amazing Nada. Hey. And the terrific Estelle. Hey. Hi. <laughs> to Pack a Studio. This is exciting. We are talking about sex work and religion, which is, I don't know, <laughs> when most people think sex work, they don't immediately think religion, but there is a bit of a crossover. So I thought to start off, I might ask, well, how do you guys understand what religion is oh okay mm -hmm. first. all right <laughs> for me uh religion was like a sort of uh it was a spirituality thing i don't quite know the word for it but it's something it's food for the soul i'll, mm -hmm. I'll say it's not something tangible it's, it's a, a way of living that makes you a better person mm -hmm. a wholesome person a person working for something yeah um and that that something is not as real as money mm -hmm. or looking after your baby or something like that it's it's a, it's, a, it's something for your soul and so it's always changing it's it's very it's not very transparent it's just constantly yeah. changing and i think it's something that most people probably need mm -hmm. unless they can reconcile with their spirituality in a different sort of way yeah that's yeah. what it was to me anyways do you, do you guys see it differently how would you define what I, religion is or understand what religion is i suppose i see it uh, or i have seen it um and this comes from my upbringing as a quite a formal and rigid support structure for people in some ways, but also a system that constrains mm -hmm. people mm. Um, because it is that formal and rigid structure. Yeah. And what about you, Nada? Did you... I think it gives meaning to people's lives mm -hmm. and it could be traditional, culturally defined. And mm -hmm. when, whenever you do have an institution or organization, you're going to have a big power over people and mm -hmm. that will be misused at some point yeah. in different ways by different religious people. Yeah. So, you know, it's unfortunate. 
unfortunate, but I think it is ultimately people looking for meaning in life and mm-hmm. things that aren't explainable. Yeah. And there is certainly a, a strong intersection um, between like philosophy and religion, you know, and trying to, I guess, connect with the universe or explain what reality is. And I think um, for people who, I guess, don't have the opportunity to explore it in a philosophical way, religion, I guess, tries to be that immediate accessible avenue to ask those questions. The reason I've asked a, a range of sex workers to come in and talk about this topic is because I think, well, p- particularly the sex workers who are in this room um, have all had very different religious upbringings, if you like. So I'll, I'll start off. Like I grew up in a very Catholic household um, and I quite often describe it as um, as third world Catholic. <laughs> um, so my parents migrated to Australia from the Philippines, which is, you know, a, a developing country. And there seems to be this sort of, there's a trend around um, if people are poor, they tend to rely on religion more, just as a way, I guess, I don't know, in in a social sense, if one feels quite disempowered, religion sort of offers them some sort of security, yeah. a, a level of meaning, you know, a way of organizing and creating some sort of community. And um, certainly that's how my parents sort of approached it. So that for me, that's how, that was the household I kind of grew up in. I'm wondering if you guys could sort of describe what each of your different religious backgrounds are. I uh, grew up in a very staid and non-demonstrative religion. <laughs> um, and, and look, I will actually say what it was. I, I grew up in a Methodist household, mm-hmm. which I think is probably one of the most non-demonstrative religions because, look, they don't even clap in church. <laughs> um, you get too excited, you might frighten God. <laughs> <laughs> so I was raised in the church, required to go as long as you were in my parents' household. I actually taught in the church. Um, I was a Sunday school teacher. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say lost my faith because that sounds like you sort of misplaced it somewhere where I quite violently threw it out. (laughs) Um, And that was sort of the period just before I went to university. So I definitely am not a religious person now, but I I had a very religious upbringing. Mm. And so that was an, an, an intensely yeah. religious household that I that I came from. Yeah, yeah, and I think like for me, I, I certainly can relate to a lot of that. Like when, um, as I was growing up, because I sort of identified as queer, and that really didn't fit into um, <laughs> my my parents' great big grand Catholic plan. No, well, I mean, I, I I come from the same place because I I identify as queer, and and I mean, I, I'll quantify that for people. When I say queer, I mean that I I don't select or preference partners on the basis of their gender so I've had partners of of every gender but identifying as queer and I come from a very small town as well from a small town and in a very religious household was incredibly painful yeah I can imagine well I can relate yeah yeah what about you Estelle what sort of household did you grow up in so I grew up uh, my mom and dad are Turkish they immigrated when they were in their 20s I think Mm -hmm. and a good percentage of Turkey's Islamic so my parents were Islamic and from outside eyes we we were Islamic you probably couldn't tell the difference between the Turkish culture and the Islamic oh, practice okay. yep. but we none like my mom didn't wear the headscarf 
stuff. But like we used to go to the Jami mm-hmm. and mum didn't so much. And we used to fast and um, I went through a stage where, you know, I was praying five times a day. My dad would always do that. It'd be like, um, it'd kind of be like family fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I didn't like about it was the fact that when I was a little girl, because they segregate like the females and the males and mm-hmm. I, and I, I wouldn't accept it. And I, I'd go into the male section uh-huh. <laughs> as a little girl. Um, cause I wanted to be with my dad in the Jami. But besides that, like I was raised and then I wore a headscarf for about a year. And mm-hmm. then I, uh, I was having some struggles with my faith and mm-hmm. with God. And so I took off the headscarf and in my community at the time, they supported me in that decision because I basically didn't feel worthy to wear it. Yeah. So, and they were said, if you don't, if you don't have full faith then you shouldn't pretend to, cause that's, I think what a lot of people, that's what I ha- I remember I hated that when I was younger, when I'd see girls with the headscarf and they'd be wearing really tight jeans or something. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, what are you doing, you whore? <laughs> Which is, you know, obviously my headset's changed since then, but that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking at the time. Right. I think, I think people would be, well, that's certainly something I didn't know was that, you know, so you made the choice to not wear well, the headscarf. Well, I mean, in the Turkish culture, well, my sort of level of Turkish culture, most of the ladies will wear a headscarf when they get married. Mm-hmm. But before that, they just do whatever they kind of want. Yeah. I wore the headscarf because I wanted to be religious and I wanted to be, I don't know, not the wife of God, but like I wanted to be God's woman. Yeah, yeah. So, so some, somewhat. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a it was a physical practice of my devotion mm-hmm. to God, and I did that. And then when I started questioning things, I, I took it off because I wasn't. It made, it, I felt dirty basically yeah. wearing yeah. it. It was like wearing the wrong uniform. Uh-huh. And would know. you describe yourself as really? just these days? No, I wouldn't, but I would defend Islam if someone was really, um, like, Islamophobic or something like that. Yeah. I would definitely defend it. Yeah. I do the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. I'm not even, you know. Yeah, I get really annoyed and because pe- people are like, oh, what do you know? And I'm like, I know I'm white and I know I'm blonde, but I know a lot more than you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, certainly there is a lot of stereotypes yeah. about Islam that's yeah. around. So, I mean, it's really great that you're here and are able to talk about Yay. it. Thanks, Estelle. Okay. What about you, Nada? <laughs> uh, my upbringing, it's pretty atheist. It's very traditional Japanese kind of my earlier up- mm-hmm. upbringing anyway, which is Buddhism when uh, somebody dies and Shinto when somebody gets married. That's Japanese <laughs> culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. there isn't any distinct religious yeah. undertone. In Japanese culture, we do keep altars in mm-hmm. our house. So that aspect of it, yeah. Uh, but um, cool. And what about now? Do you do you identify as religious? Or? I identify as a Hindu. Mm-hmm. I stayed in traditional ashram for a year, yep. and uh, studied Advaita Vedanta, and I studied Sanskrit at university for about three years and more. So, yeah. wow. So yeah. you went in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, Advaita is very closely related to Buddhism. The mm-hmm. practice is very similar. It's yeah. very much about inquiry and study. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what made you interested in in Hinduism? 
gosh, I don't know. It must be pure luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I it, love Sanskrit. I fell in love with Sanskrit somehow, <laughs> and I loved translating Sanskrit. And I was like, well, what would be a religion that use Sanskrit all the time? That would be my heaven. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I found it. Yeah. And, and you went and you lived on an ashram for a year. Yes. I'm wondering if you could describe what that experience was like. Oh, it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a place away from normal day life mm-hmm. and the place was supported and devoted to just learning scriptures and chanting in Sanskrit so yeah. you know who wouldn't love that yeah mm. yeah no that's fantastic <laughs> you are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 if you would like to contact us here in the studio you can uh, do so by sending us a text message on 0427 569 uh, just as someone who hasn't left their name 451 has can Gala, tell me where I can go to be trained to be part of the industry. Um, if, if you wanted to answer that question, Gala, did you want to say? That is a, a, a more difficult question because um, there's no formal institution for training mm-hmm. um, in any part of the sex industry. Uh, we don't have uh, courses at university, and that is actually part of the, uh, the stigma, unfortunately, attached to sex work that we can't offer such courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one thing that I can always recommend is accessing sex worker organizations for information and they're excellent sex worker organizations both nationally and locally Mm -hmm. and I would recommend both the Scarlet Alliance as the national org and Vixen as the Victorian organization. Fantastic and we'll post those details for those um, organizations on our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash sex worker radio if you did want to follow up on that information. We've got to go to some messages now and when we come back we'll talk about how we have reconciled or not (laughs) sex work with our um, religious backgrounds and and the rituals that we sort of go through in our day-to-day lives. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're listening to the Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. You are in the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. If you would like to interact with us in the studio, you can do so by sending us a text message on 0427 Joy 949, just as Greg from Croydon has. If you're too stupid for science, try religion. I think there's that, there's a number of assumptions in that message. Right. Um, and and certainly, I think, as I was growing up, and when, when I guess people of a religious background would say sort of very hurtful and stigmatized, things to me, I would assume that it's coming from, you know, a, a place of, of, of fear or stupidity. Mm. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, I've sort of learnt to embrace a number of people's diversity. Um, and, and I guess... Not the- just that. It <laughs> just assumes this really Western Christianity perspective. Because mm. if you're looking at types of Buddhism or Hinduism, especially in Advaita Vedanta, it's not a belief-based system. Yeah. It's about not believing in fact. So... You Would know. you say that it's more closely linked to philosophy? Or? It could be said to be a philosophical, but it is a religion. Yeah, yeah. So we, we can't make that mistake. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, and I think certainly that's one of the, the reasons why I guess people do um, engage with religion is they, they're trying to find answers to questions that know it, that places like science aren't giving them the answers Richard to. Richard Dawkins would have something to say about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy. 
Joy 94.9. You are with Estelle and Nada and Gala, and we are talking about sex work and religion. Now, I, I wanted to ask, well, we are sex workers. We did talk about religious backgrounds uh, before that break, but I'm wondering how each of you have reconciled or not your sort of religious backgrounds with your sex work. Gala, did you want to go first with talking about that? Um, in terms of reconciling my religious background with my sex work, well, I mean, I, I had very much, um, as I said, sort of violently thrown away my religion um, <laughs> by the time I began working in the sex industry. Certainly, as I mentioned, I have a, a history as a performance artist. Mm-hmm. I have explored religious themes mm-hmm. in my performance art. And I think for me, that was really a way of working through some of my lingering issues uh, with religion. And look, there were certain themes that I explored that were more provocative than others. Uh, I'm wondering what some of those were. I have performed at Hellfire Mm -hmm. in Australia um, on numerous occasions. I think probably the most notable of those would have been in 2005. We did a show at Easter. Mm -hmm. And look, it's traditional at Easter to do certain things. And we did a traditional, I will use that word again, um, Judeo-Christian crucifixion, Uh um, where, and it was very much in line with the original event. We had a lowered flat cross uh, nailing and then raised. Wow. I had a cross raising with the person affixed. Yeah. Um, And I was that person. Uh Um, And look, people find it odd because I work as a professional dominant that I would engage in the M side of the Mm S&M. And it was interesting because one of my personal slaves actually snuck into the performance mm-hmm. and he hadn't been told mm-hmm. that it was occurring or certainly wasn't allowed to be there. And I said to him afterwards, when uh, the next time I saw him, do you think, knowing what you now know, th- that mm-hmm. I do both sides of it, that I have any sympathy mm-hmm. for anything that I've ever done to you? I've never done anything to anyone as a dominant that I have not experienced myself. Yeah. I have a complete understanding yeah. of everything that I do. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong the way other people do things, but that is how I do things. Yeah. And that is how I know about what I do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about that performance. Mm. Did you see it as a way of like mocking Christianity or satirizing Christianity? What was your sort of take on the performance aspect no, of it? I think mocking is a very harsh word. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was an exploration of my history and also the other people that were involved in the performance because it was quite an elaborate performance that had a number of parties involved. There were five of us and that was the on stage people and there were a number of other people involved in putting the production together. Mm-hmm. It was an exploration of all of our histories yeah. with religion. Yeah. And it was very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would not use the term mocking it was an exploration yeah that's fantastic what about you Estelle how would you sort of um, reconcile is reconcile a word or not guess, an appropriate word I it? guess like you you would naturally assume that sex work isn't invited into religion but mm-hmm. there are progressive religious leaders who are more accepting of that but I, I wasn't in sex work when I was sort of transitioning from my religious beliefs mm-hmm. at the tender age of 15 16. So sex work wasn't even in the question. I had a complete different attitude to sex, 
to mm-hmm. girls that were sexy, to boys that were sexy, to anything <laughs> that was sex related. Yeah. So it's like two completely different identities. And which, and in retrospect now, I'm kind of over my religion. Like I don't, not because of my sex work, but because of me. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. settle into my religion and be a religious person. Yeah. Being who I was, or for that matter, any religion. Yeah. Because so, so if I if I say, would it be would it sort of be accurate to say you kind of grew out of religion? Be- sort of. I'm not like inclined in any direction. I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm agnostic. I wouldn't say I'm atheist. I just I just I know that this I don't understand, so I don't even pretend to understand. Uh-huh. And if I was going to pick a religion, it would be Islam. Yeah. Because that's what I was raised in, and it was a good religion. Mm-hmm. Like and it and it taught me really really good values and it and it did help me like it made me a really strong character it, it was there for me when yeah at a, a very crucial and tough time in my life trying to fit it into sex work i think i'd have some trouble <laughs> but i watched this video that you recommended and yeah. they made a very very good point mm-hmm. um we might talk that. about that yeah. later in the show <laughs> <laughs> okay what about you nada how, how do you i mean you talked about being a lifestyle sex worker that um, sex work is very much a, a significant part of your life and I'm also assuming that Hinduism and your and your study has been, is, is a significant part of your life. How do, how do the two fit together? I think Hinduism is one of the most compassionate, most forgiving religion ever. Mm-hmm. In that in life you can do pretty much whatever <laughs> in that you're not hurting others yeah. and that you are doing your duty. Mm-hmm. I had these options. I came into this life in a certain way and my certain, you know, life circumstances made me a sex worker mm-hmm. and a great one. Yeah. And so it is my responsibility to take on that role mm-hmm. the best that I can. Yeah. Um, so that's how I look at it. And yeah. as far as Hinduism goes, I mean, you have this, you know, overall Gita, mm-hmm. which is like the Hindu Bible. Yeah. And it talks about Arjuna who is going out to war and he wants to be the saintly, saintly person. He wants to be the sadhu, Mm -hmm. the holy person that goes to the mountain and does all the spiritual things. Mm -hmm. But actually, Krishna is telling him, no, you must do your life. Yeah. So this is the lesson. And his life is to go and kill people. (laughs) And how do you do that spiritually? (laughs) And this is what the the Gita is telling you. So I am sure there are going to be very conservative swamis and, you know, conservative Hindus out there. No doubt that would, you know, not agree with me. Mm -hmm. But this is who I am. And I feel pretty good with it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it, it sounds like Hinduism, oh, well, just from what you're saying, and correct me if I get this wrong, doesn't sort of have a pres- prescriptive idea on... They have different kind of scriptures. Uh-huh. Uh, one is directly heard scriptures, which doesn't change. And those are more philosophical inquiries about mm. the nature of reality. Yep. This is the basis of our study. There's another type of s- scriptures about in life what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and they are supposed to be rewritten according yeah. to different culture and different times yeah so you know i come from this type of culture where sex work you know we're having our rights and we're fighting for our political whatever whatever mm-hmm. and this is my culture this is my time yeah it hasn't been so before yeah. but this is where i am now and i'm doing the best i can yeah yeah that's fantastic and i think it's i think it's refreshing to hear sort of a, a religious understanding of i guess sex sex work without I think sort of part of certainly the Western Judeo-Christian Islamic religions uh, the, the concept of 
sin plays a massive part. So there's this, Haram. yeah, <laughs> Haram. Talking about like what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas it sounds like the tradition that you're describing doesn't so much rely on those concepts. It's not very black and white that mm-hmm. way. Some things could be said to be written in those, you know, what you're supposed to be doing in life. Mm-hmm. But as I said, this is now, and this is my culture. Yep. This isn't Vedic India three thousand years ago when yep. other stuff was written. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's lots of space for negotiation. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm wondering, and this is open to everyone, do you see sort of Nada's experience is quite amazing, <laughs> but I also think it's quite a unique experience, which is why I'm so amazingly happy that you're here to share that sort of experience with us. But for, for Gala and Estelle, do you see sort of sex work and religion being compatible at all? I think religion needs to... And I think the very good leaders, progressive leaders of each religion understand the need to adapt Mm -hmm. because religious texts written a long time ago and a lot's happened since then and a lot of things can't apply anymore. A lot of things have come up that need to be Mm -hmm. discussed and any good religious leader will understand that and he will or she will adapt Mm -hmm. to the changing. And it's it's like a law. If you you make a law, Mm -hmm. you got to change that law after a certain point because it's not going to be valid anymore. Yeah. And that's what religion has to be like as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the values are still the same, and I think the values are the same in each religion, which is just to be a wholesome, good person mm-hmm. that goes to a good place after death. Uh-huh. So the values are still there, but the, the practice of it might be a bit different. Uh-huh. As you, and, and sex work is something that's you know very dominant now in some places, especially in places maybe like Africa or in, in poverty where like you said like that's where uh, religious communities are made so yeah. how how are those two things going to work yeah these are the questions that people who are religious need to ask how yeah. are we going to accept these people yeah because we have to we have to you know help e- everyone as a whole civilization yeah you know, and, and I agree with Estelle I think also that it can often be the case that it's not necessarily the tenets of religion that have a problem with sex work mm-hmm. um, that it's a cultural thing yeah um, and if you look in religious texts, and I'm talking about uh, Christianity here, and and this is the same with homosexuality, there's not necessarily anything in the Bible that's against that, but it's been picked up and carried on as a cultural thing, yeah. and the church has reinforced it. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I think, like, texts aren't going to change, mm-hmm. but the people who sort of read those or who, I guess, are leaders of those communities are the ones who have to, as you say, show some leadership. Well, I, I, I just don't think religion is flawed. I mm. think human interpretation is flawed. Yeah. But religion itself is an idea. Like, yeah. it's, it's a good thing. It tries to be. It tries to be. People kind of ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are on the Vixen Alley here on Joy 94.9. We're going to explore some examples of how people have ruined it after these messages. <laughs> <laughs> but also flip it around and show how people have also tried to be progressive and show some leadership in this area. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 and you're with Christian and Gala and Nada and Estelle. Great. Talking about sex work and religion. We have received a message back down there. Uh, Whenever I feel down, I turn to Joy and put on some high heels. Yay! (laughs) Love the Vixen Hour. Love Joshua. Thanks, Joshua. Yay! Me too. (laughs) Yay! We all have high 
high heels tonight. <laughs> do we? Yeah, no, we, we do. Don't. I mean, yes, we do. It's the magic of radio. <laughs> We're actually mix. all in lingerie right now, sitting around a table oh, in I'm, high heels. I'm in leather. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm in fishnets. You are in the mix and now. You enjoy 94.9. We are talking about religion and sex work and fashion. In our lingerie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that everyone's got a mental picture. <laughs> I think the queer community can sort of identify when religions can sort of exclude them. I was going to, I'm being kind, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Screw them over. Yeah. <laughs> I think is probably a, a, another way people would describe the relationship between themselves and religion. But sex workers have experienced that too. So in 2009, the Salvation Army uh, very publicly had to apologise to sex workers after it was pointed out to them that a lot of their advertising was using very whorephobic language and stories of stigma to appeal for money and um, oh. the, there's a there's the Herald Sun covered it and we'll post we'll post a link to that article on our Facebook page but uh, there are other examples of um, I guess sex work well religion well religious religion and religious leaders not being very nice to sex workers uh, Gala did you have an example of how religion perhaps hasn't treated sex workers the best look absolutely as I was saying earlier I've worked in a variety of different types of, of sex work and I'll be very honest I started out in street sex work and I think this is very relevant when we're talking about breaking down sex worker hierarchies that's where my roots are mm-hmm. and I have a certain degree of pride in that it's something I'm very fierce about and I'm very open about it yep. working back in Christchurch which is where I'm from I'm from New Zealand the religious organizations had a history of doing outreach and ministering mm-hmm. to both the poor and uh, sex workers mm-hmm. and they did this in a number of annoying ways they would come out to Manchester Street mm-hmm. and which is where um, we used to work and we were still actually still work in Christchurch mm-hmm. they would do things like hang around in a van and attempt to hand out things that they thought would be useful to us now I'll give you an example mm-hmm. they used to hand out cakes of soap wrapped in flannels wow now, what does that imply? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we're dirty and we don't know how to wash. Yeah. And also, it's not very useful. No. I w- was lucky enough that I was living somewhere quite close by. I mean, I had my own soap. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't need, I didn't <laughs> need theirs. Um, there were people that I was working with that did live on the streets, and, d- like, it was it was a stupid thing to give them too. If they'd given them somewhere to shower. Thank God, we got soap finally. Yeah. <laughs> with the soap, it might have been more useful. But it was just offensive. They also used to hang around in their van and scare off the clients because this is when the work was still criminalised. They used to attract the police, neither of which were were pleasant. And when they were there, they used to say horphobic things to us, preach at us, like neither of which we liked, and none of which was useful. All of which was highly aggravating. And so I think there's a long history of religious organisations doing things like this with Mm -hmm. sex workers, and it makes sex workers very, very angry. Mm-hmm. And then religious organisations, because they don't listen to sex workers, fail to hear that frustration yeah. and fail to change their behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, there's certainly lots of examples of religious groups, you know, doing outreach. And, and not just to street-based sex workers, but here in Melbourne, there's religious groups that go out to brothels to do outreach. And it, uh, it, it kind of, I kind of question why they do that. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like they go to any other workplace. I think there's, there's an assumption that 
there's something inherently wrong in our work and that there's something that they need to save us from that plays out there. But focusing on the topic of sex work and religion, the the South African sex worker rights organization sort of held a bit of a conference um, earlier this year and they brought together sort of religious leaders and academics um, to talk about the issue of sex work and religion. So I, th- I thought I might play a bit of what went down in South Africa. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. Dr. John Blevins, Associate Research Professor of Interfaith Health Program at Emory University in the United States on a history of Christian responses to sex work and sexuality in liberation theology. One of the worst things that in my experience Christians might do is to think that we can come in to save you um, and to save others uh, in the name of, of God, that we can do that because you can't do it for yourselves. What you can tell us in the stories of your lives is that you already know what it means to be saved. You already know what it means to be loved. You already know what it means to have surprising places where grace breaks in into your work and into your life. Far better than I can tell and far better than a theologian can tell. Ivan Lloyd, National Coordinator of Inarella, an international interfaith network of religious leaders living with or personally affected by HIV and AIDS. I note that religious leaders appear to be removed and disinterested in sex workers and their plight in this country. I note that religious leadership has perfected the art of ignoring problematic groups. We need to be empowering religious leadership to understand the dynamics of stigma and discrimination and vulnerability as it impacts on sex workers in South Africa. Professor Farid Assat, scholar of Islam and head of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Johannesburg. What does Islam say about sex outside marriage? They will immediately say it is haram. It is not permitted among the Shia Muslims. It's actually the phenomenon of temporary marriages, acknowledged, where the two parties say, I'm getting married to you for an hour. I'm getting married to you for two days, or I'm getting married to you for half an hour, and this is the dowry that I, uh, that I pay. The people who should be speaking are not people like me, but people like you, because you are the ones who can give the testimony of how God works in your life as someone who is a sex worker. Anita Mambumba, Sasanke member and Women's Legal Center Paralegal. The God said, there's no prostitute. All these people are mine. I don't charge a person. That's why I like God, even when I'm in the street, when I'm standing. I know we have difficulties, but I always pray, even when I jump in the car. I ask the price, but I always tell myself that God is there. There are ambiguities in our community about people doing things that in the law are haram. But we still respect them. So this spirit of God characterizes, is inherent in all human beings. 
regardless of what we do, regardless of our occupations, regardless of whether we have fallen or whether we have risen, whether we wear uniforms or don't, whether we have posh accents or don't have posh accents, regardless of, of what we do. This dignity is inherent in all human beings and this is, I think, what we need to fight to establish. I want everyone to receive because God is in with me. Thank you to um, SWET, South African Sex Worker Rights Organization, and Sasonke for um, putting that seminar together and having those really progressive voices on. Um, I think there's a lot that was said there that were really was really good advice for sort of religious people and religious leaders on how to positively engage with sex workers. I'm wondering what you guys thought of that. Yeah, I think the key thing there is, and it's, it's the key thing always, not just for religious leaders, but for anyone, is making the space to listen to sex work. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's interesting because they kind of said, well, I can't tell you where to find grace or where to find God or whatever. You have to actually find it for yourself. And I think that's that's a very sort of different approach to a lot of religious leaders who are telling you, you know, what's right and wrong. Mm. I'm, I'm wondering if you guys thought what you guys thought of the video. I really loved it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I love the, oh, the Islam, Islam Muslim guy. He was so cool. Yeah. It reminded me of like how in Vegas people just go and get married and then for a day or something yeah this idea then... <laughs> of temporary marriage yeah um, I really I, I like they call it, it. Singe or something like that yeah in Shia Islam I just I, I really liked how they're welcoming to the sex worker community because I think some people without religion can be quite disenchanted yeah and that's that's bad yeah and, and I really appreciate that they actually took the time to find the space where sex work can actually fit in mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah I wish there was more of that in yeah. religion yeah. Um, because it's it's very much needed. Oh, absolutely. I think so too. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Channel 94.9. The time is four minutes to ten. We'll go to some messages and we'll be back to say goodbye. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. I want to say thank you to Nada and Estelle and Gala for joining us this evening. No worries. <laughs> thank you for having me on. Okay. Um, to take us out, we're playing quite an appropriate song. This is one of Gala's choices. This is Tool with Disgustipated. Uh, we will be <laughs> back next week at 9pm as this is going on in the background Uh, you are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 taking off our heels (laughs) (laughs) and lingerie and fishnets (laughs) thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy help us keep Joy on air head to joy.org.au Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.